Just a quick heads up that I am currently on maternity leave, which means that the Fertility Co podcast is taking a break. But please don't panic because I'm already working on some exciting things behind the scenes. And when I come back, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a brand new, completely free mini course all about ovulation and finding your fertile window. In the meantime, there are still heaps of ways that you can continue to learn about your fertility and your menstrual cycle while I take a break. If you're just getting started with charting your cycle, you can check out my free fertility roadmap. If you want to dive deeper and learn exactly when you're ovulating, then you can watch my Fix Your Fertility Masterclass. There is, of course, also my Conceive with Confidence workshop series and, of course, my flagship online program, Fertility School. If you want individualized support from a trained fertility educator, that's me, then you can book in to my wait list for a one-on-one consult. And I would love to work with you to achieve your fertility goals in 2024. Spots are strictly limited though, and links to all of those resources are in the show notes. In this episode, we're talking about caffeine and your fertility. Is coffee during pregnancy really as bad as its reputation suggests? You'll find out in this episode. Hey, I'm Rachel, and I'm obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor, and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist and natural fertility educator, and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition, and menstrual cycle health, we'll dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly Googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor, because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. You're listening to the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. Want to say goodbye to hormonal contraceptives and their weird and unpleasant side effects? Want to improve your chances of conceiving quickly and naturally? Sounds like you need my fertility roadmap, my simple three-step system to understanding your body's natural fertile signs and pinpointing ovulation day so that you can use this knowledge to achieve or avoid pregnancy. To grab your free copy, head over to manawomenswellness.com forward slash roadmap. Hello and welcome to episode number 25 of the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. We are a quarter of a way to 100 episodes. That is crazy. I'm your host, Rachel, and today we are talking all about caffeine. Now, caffeine is the world's most popular drug. So many people out there cannot function until they've had their morning cup of coffee. It's a pick-me-up, an energy boost. It helps people to stay alert and to concentrate. But caffeine affects so much more than your mind. So shout out to Amy for this week's episode suggestion. She wanted to know whether our human obsession with coffee is really the very best way to boost our energy or if we should be trying to boost our energy in other ways. Full disclosure, though, before we start, I am not a coffee drinker. My morning drink is a green tea. I love the smell of coffee, but it just gives me a headache and I don't like it. So it's very easy for me to sit here on my high horse and tell you to cut down on your daily coffee intake because I don't have that urge first thing in the morning. But with that said, what I'm going to say today might surprise you. So let's dive in. So how does caffeine actually affect your body? 
It doesn't just affect your mind, it actually has a significant effect on the body too. So it ramps up the nervous system, increases our heart rate and relaxes smooth muscle. So that's the muscle lining our blood vessels and our organs. And while these changes are subtle and you might not notice them, drink enough coffee, or in my case, start drinking coffee and you will notice these changes. You might notice that you get the shakes, your heart races, and you're just jittery once the effects kick in. The real problem with these effects is that you experience withdrawal when you don't have caffeine. So skip your morning coffee and you will likely be in a foul mood, you'll have a headache, you'll be tired and have trouble concentrating. It takes about 30 to 60 minutes until the full effects of caffeine really kick in and it quickly spreads through your entire body. So it enters every tissue in your body, including your ovaries, your uterus, and your fallopian tubes. If you're pregnant, it crosses the placenta and has the same effect on baby, increasing baby's heart rate and giving it the jitters too. Caffeine has even been found in newly fertilized eggs and embryos. Now, the growth of the placenta and fetus are most vulnerable to maternal nutrition around the time of implantation, which is why a preconception diet is essential to prepare the body for pregnancy. Now, the first two weeks of conception and pregnancy is really a really rapid phase of development, and this tends to be before a woman knows that she's actually pregnant. So this is why once you've decided to try getting pregnant, it's really important to have a look at your current health and lifestyle and make any necessary changes before actually becoming pregnant. The recommendation is that both you and your partner make any lifestyle or diet changes at least three months before trying for a baby to make sure male sperm is of a high quality and the female body is a healthy environment for a growing baby. If you want to know how to prepare your partner for pregnancy and improve the quality of his sperm, then you can check out episode number 22, which is all about my top tips for preparing your partner for pregnancy. So caffeine is not just in coffee, it's in chocolate, tea and cola drinks, and it's a diuretic that can flush the key nutrients out of your system before they can be properly absorbed. So any caffeine-containing drinks can't actually be included in your daily fluid intake because ultimately caffeine dehydrates you. Something to keep in mind if you're tracking your fluids and you like to include coffee and black tea. Caffeine also affects your absorption of iron, and we know that low iron is a really common problem during pregnancy. Baby doesn't make its own iron for the first six months of life until it starts to eat solid foods. So baby will draw from mum's iron stores throughout pregnancy to build up its own iron stores for those first six months out of the womb. This, in combination with changes in blood volume and the cardiovascular system as a whole during pregnancy, leaves women with low iron and they often need supplements which can have their own effects and cause constipation. Caffeine also flushes calcium out of your system before it can be properly absorbed and calcium keeps your reproductive system working effectively and can actually help to improve your chances of conceiving faster. About 99% of your calcium intake is used for maintaining healthy bones and teeth. Baby also needs calcium for bone and teeth development, and so calcium stores are passed along to your baby in utero. So if your stores are low, you may actually be increasing your risk of osteoporosis later in life. So where is caffeine hiding? If you want to monitor your caffeine intake more closely, it's important to know exactly where caffeine is hiding and where it's found naturally in many foods. So coffee, tea, chocolate, as well as soft drinks and energy drinks. Caffeine is also hidden in some cold and flu remedies. 
Okay, so now let's have a look at the caffeine content in some common food and drinks. Now, one mug of instant coffee has about 100 milligrams of caffeine. One mug of black tea has about 75. A can of cola has 40 milligrams. A can of energy drink, which I would recommend avoiding like the plague if you care about your health at all, pregnancy or not, has about 80 milligrams of caffeine. A 50 gram bar of dark chocolate has 50 milligrams and a 50 gram bar of milk chocolate has 25 grams of caffeine. So that's important to know if you're trying to make the healthy switch and opt for dark chocolate instead. So what do all these numbers mean? Ultimately, you're aiming for less than 200 milligrams a day. If you want to have a closer look at the caffeine content of these foods, then you can head over to the podcast show notes at manawomenswellness.com forward slash 25, and I've listed them all out there for you. Now, you don't need to completely eliminate caffeine, but you really should limit how much you consume to no more than that 200 milligrams a day. So have a look at your favorite foods and drinks and work out how much you can reasonably consume without exceeding 200 milligrams a day. So opt for decaffeinated coffee and tea where you can, herbal teas, fruit juice, and water. If you're a heavy coffee drinker, going from five cups a day to zero will be a shock to your system and it will leave you feeling exhausted and cranky because you will withdraw. Now, cutting down gradually is the way to go there. So how bad is caffeine for your fertility in the preconception phase? So there was this huge study at Harvard called the Nurses' Health Study, and it looked in really, really intricate detail at the effects of diet and lifestyle on the fertility of 20,000 female nurses. The researchers shared their results in a book called The Fertility Diet, which is an really interesting read. And some of the results are really quite surprising. So apparently caffeine's negative reputation during pregnancy actually comes from a study in the 80s where pregnant rats were force-fed caffeine that was the equivalent of 200 cups of coffee a day. The study found that one in five baby rats were born with significant birth defects. When they repeated the study and put caffeine in the rats' drinking water, leaving them to drink it at will rather than the cruelty of force-feeding them this equivalent of 200 cups a day, there was actually no increase in birth defects. But the FDA in the US didn't go back and actually change their warning against caffeine during pregnancy. And so since the 80s, it's become one of these things that has just trickled down through research over the years and its reputation has stuck. Some research shows that like most things in life, drinking coffee in moderation, that 200 milligrams of caffeine a day, the equivalent of about two to three cups of coffee has no real effect on fertility, pregnancy or on fetal development. Other research shows that it can delay conception and it has a small risk on development as well. So drinking a lot of caffeine every day can also increase your risk of miscarriage, preterm birth and low birth weight because we know that caffeine crosses the placenta and does have an effect on bub. The Nurses' Health Study found that caffeine did not affect ovulation itself, but that the women in the group who drank four or more cups of coffee a day were 20% more likely to have trouble getting pregnant. And so the researchers believe that this is because too much caffeine and the effect that it has on our smooth muscle makes the fallopian tubes less able to contract and relax. Now, this means that after ovulation, it's harder for the egg to move along the fallopian tube towards the uterus. 
If the egg is fertilized, but it's just taking too long to reach the uterus for implantation, then the endometrium, so the lining of the uterus, might have already given up and stopped thickening to prepare for implantation. And instead, it's starting to break down in preparation for menstruation because the egg just took too long to turn up. And so what about male fertility and caffeine? So while there is no clear direct link between caffeine and male infertility, again, caffeine can have an effect on sperm quality. So research suggests that drinking just two cups of coffee a day could be reducing both the quality and quantity of sperm. So it's lowering your sperm count and the sperm that that you've got isn't a good quality. So they're not fast swimmers. They might have more abnormalities in their shape and size and so on. Research found that men who drank more than four cups of coffee a day had higher than average abnormally shaped sperm. And these sperm are obviously not going to be able to penetrate the egg and fertilize it. There's also some research to suggest, though, that drinking coffee about half an hour before sex can help the boys to swim faster. So just like some people like to drink coffee before a workout, potentially you could encourage your man to have a cup of coffee before trying for a baby so that the sperm gets there faster. This is only recommended for the men, though, not the women. And so that's the question, I guess. Should you cut out caffeine if you're trying to conceive? Ultimately, it's going to have to be one of those situations where you really need to make a decision for yourself about your caffeine consumption. Every woman is going to be different, and it's all going to depend on how your body processes caffeine, and this will actually change throughout your menstrual cycle. So in the luteal phase, which begins after ovulation and as your body prepares for your period or looks to see whether or not you're pregnant, metabolism of caffeine actually slows down. And this means that there are higher levels of caffeine in your body for longer around the time of ovulation. So this obviously coincides with the time of fertilization and implantation and the beginnings of fetal development too. So maybe it's worth cutting out caffeine or reducing your intake of caffeine literally around the time that you're ovulating and physically trying to conceive. If you can't imagine starting your day without a cup of coffee, then limit it to one a day. We do know that caffeine can potentially reduce your chances of conception as well as increasing your risk of miscarriage. So you don't necessarily have to eliminate all caffeine in the preconception phase. But if you are struggling to conceive or if you have experienced miscarriage in the past and you know that you consume a lot of coffee or caffeine in general, then perhaps this is something that you could consider. When you are pregnant, caffeine does have similar effects on your baby as it does on you and your nervous and cardiovascular systems. So high levels of caffeine consumed during pregnancy can result in low birth weight babies, which can also contribute to health problems later in life. And remember that that critical time for development is in the early weeks of pregnancy before you actually know you are pregnant. And so I hope that this episode helped to shed some light on caffeine and the effect that it has on your body and your fertility for both males and females. And I know I couldn't give you a cut and dry answer about whether or not to avoid caffeine and coffee during preconception and pregnancy. I hope that this new knowledge has at least helped you to figure out where you're sitting on a healthy caffeine intake and whether or not you do need to consider cutting back. 
There is definitely a stigma around drinking coffee while pregnant. Not quite as significant as smoking or drinking alcohol, but caffeine is certainly lumped into that category as something to avoid. Like I said, you may not necessarily need to eliminate coffee from your life forever, but it could potentially impact both male and female fertility. And because it does cross the placenta, it does have an effect on bub. So like I said, if you're struggling to conceive, if you have experienced loss, if you're currently pregnant and you're wanting to make some lifestyle tweaks to maximize your and your baby's health, as well as increasing your chances of conceiving, then cutting caffeine might be something to think about. Now that wraps us up for another week of the podcast. I would love to hear your take on caffeine and coffee during preconception and pregnancy. I'd love to know your thoughts and whether or not you found this episode interesting. I think the rat study, as barbaric as it is, is fascinating and it's just incredible how one research study can just trickle through and continue on into common knowledge, even though other studies have been done that could potentially dispute the findings of this original study. It's very fascinating and I would love to hear from you, like I said. So shoot me an Instagram DM. I'm at Mana Women's Wellness and let me know what you thought of this episode. And like Amy did, shoot me a message and let me know what you want me to talk about in upcoming episodes as well. So you can get today's show notes with everything I talked about in this episode, as well as links to freebies and other related episodes at manawomenswellness.com forward slash 25. And don't forget that you can also download your free fertility roadmap on the show notes page too. So that's manawomenswellness.com forward slash 25. I will be back next week to talk about charting your menstrual cycle and understanding your fertile signs and ultimately how this knowledge changed my life forever. And that is no exaggeration. Okay, bye for now. Don't forget that knowledge is power. When you truly understand your body, you are empowered to make informed decisions and take control of your health. Until next time. If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Mana Women's Wellness, slide into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit manawomenswellness.com forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time. Let's talk about TempDrop. TempDrop's wearable sensor and accompanying charting app brings the full fertility tracking solution right to your phone, where the TempDrop sensor on your upper arm during sleep and then just sync to the charting app whenever it's convenient for you. TempDrop believes that every woman should be empowered and equipped with the knowledge to take control of their body. Sound familiar? That's where TempDrop steps in to provide clear, science-backed technology to help you to better track your cycle. I only recommend products that I use and love, and I love my TempDrop tracker. You can get 10% off your tracker with the code AFFertilityCo or head to fertilityco.com.au forward slash TempDrop for more information.